Welcome to a Nutrition and Clinical Practice podcast. I am Dr. Jeanette Hassey, the Editor-in-Chief of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. Joining me today is Dr. Emma Tillman, the author of the paper, Review and Clinical Update on Parenteral Nutrition-Associated Liver Disease, published in the February 2013 issue of NCP. I'm pleased to introduce Dr. Emma Tillman. She's a pharmacist at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in the Departments of Clinical Pharmacy and Pediatrics and a member of the Children's Foundation Research Institute in Memphis, Tennessee. So welcome today, Dr. Tillman. Thank you. I'd like, I'd like to start out just by asking Dr. Tillman if she has any disclosures on this topic that she'd like to share. I don't have any disclosures. Great. I'm really looking forward to the discussion today, and I just want to explore some of the topics that you discussed in your review paper that was published in February 2013. So first of all, Dr. Tillman, could you kind of define for our audience what parenteral nutrition-associated liver disease is and how the manifestations of this condition kind of differ between the infants and adults? Sure. So parenteral nutrition-associated liver disease is defined by a decrease in bile flow that occurs independent of mechanical obstruction in patients receiving prolonged um, parental nutrition with having no other underlying causes of liver disease. So clinical diagnosis usually includes biochemical markers of liver disease, such as AST, ALT, total bilirubin, and direct bilirubin, and then ruling out other potential causes for liver disease. Um, ideally, a liver biopsy would be a definitive diagnosis for PNALD, but because of the invasive nature, many times in children especially, this is not done, and therefore a direct bilirubin greater than 2 or 3 is usually used in the absence of other etiology of PNALD. Differences between adults and children, typically children present with cholestasis, and adults can present with cholestasis, but they can also have hepatosteatosis or cholestasis. Dr. Tillman, can you kind of give us the current hypothesis for what causes PNALD? Well, I believe that there's, it's a multi-hit process, so it's not just one potential cause, but maybe several different causes that make a patient prone to developing this. So some of the risk factors include immature liver function, which you see in premature neonates and infants, inflammation, oxidative stress, infection, specifically sepsis, um, nutrient deficiencies, possibly some contaminants from parental products, um, micronutrient provisions or macronutrient provisions, also including fatty acids or fat emulsions and potentially protein as well. You mentioned some of the, the things that may cause the PNLD, but are there certain groups of patients or characteristics in those patients that make them more susceptible to developing the PNLD than some of the other patients? I think we see it mostly in premature neonates for several different reasons. These patients are typically on, are going to be NPO or without enteral feeding for a, a while. They also have immature bile acid secretion, immature gut function, they also can be prone to sepsis, early sepsis, especially with having central line infections. So all these things together really show that the premature neonate is one of the, at the highest risk for PNALD. In your research, have you found that there's any average time that it takes a patient to develop PNLD once the parental nutrition has been started? And I guess the um, other question that would follow up would be why do some people who are getting parental nutrition develop the PNLD and others do not? So we can see hepatocellular changes as early as two to four weeks 
after parental nutrition is started. And clinical presentation, I would say an average of four to six weeks, you would see elevations in bilirubin um, when patients will develop it, but patients can develop this at any time. So as we see adult patients develop a type of PNALD, um, it doesn't mean that if a neonate is going to develop it, they'll develop it early. They, they could have a later onset. And why some patients develop it and some do not, that's a great question. I think a lot of clinicians would love to know the answer to, but potentially there could be uh, genetic factors that predispose some infants to this more than others. We know that there's uh, genetic predispositions for the cytochrome P450 enzyme systems in the liver. So potentially there's genetic predispositions for bile acid transporters and other things that we just don't know yet that can predispose some neonates to getting it rather than others. A lot of our listeners are nutrition support practitioners who do care for patients who require long-term parental nutrition. What can we do as clinicians to help prevent those patients from developing the PNALD? I think definitely avoiding overfeeding. So try not to give more macronutrients than necessary. Early initiation and advancement of enteral nutrition as soon as possible, as soon as the, the patient is uh, stable enough to handle enteral nutrition and then advance as quickly as the patient tolerates. And then excellent line care to prevent infection and sepsis in these patients, which all of those things can be potential uh, risk factors for development of PNALD. Once you have a patient that develops the parental nutrition-associated liver disease, are there any parental nutrition adjustments or other interventions that can be done to treat it? Um, this is still kind of controversial among centers and among clinicians, even at an individual center. Many centers are, are limiting or even restricting soy-based lipid emulsions. Other centers are using omega-3 fish oil-based lipid emulsions. We've used enteral omega-3 fish oil. And as far as drug therapy, still many centers are using ursodiol. Um, and then somewhat lesser use of phenobarbital or colosteramine are, are being used in centers that can't get the omega-3 products. Dr. Tillman, you also mentioned in your paper that providing enteral nutrition, whether it's by tube feeding or an oral diet, can ward off the development of the PNALD. Is there any specific amount of enteral nutrition that seems to be required to help prevent or improve this condition? Well, this is a great question. I don't know that anyone knows the answer to this, but what we do know is that patients that are not receiving parental nutrition and on a full enteral diet will not get this disease. And in many cases, when a patient does have parental nutrition-associated liver disease and enteral feedings are advanced to goal and they're weaned off parental nutrition, the disease improves on its own. So I don't know that there's a magic number, but we definitely know that enteral feeding is very important. One of the other things you discuss in your paper is IV fat emulsions. So outside of the regular soy oil-based IV fat emulsions, what other IV fat emulsions are currently available in the U.S. and under what conditions can they be used? Um, there's an IV omega-3 fish oil-based product called OmegaVin. This is not yet FDA-approved. You can get it in the United States, but it requires an investigator new drug application or an IND that is applied for and obtained via the, the FDA. Um, this is used in several centers and some in part of clinical trials and others as just patient-specific use just for one or two patients at a center. Um, there's enough, another product, the SMOF lipid product. This is a mix of soy, MCT, olive, fish oil emulsion. This is used in clinical trials in Canada, but to my knowledge, there are no reports yet of use in, in the United States of this product. I guess a follow-up question to that would be, 
from what you've researched, do you see a time in the future where we will have other IV fat emulsions available in the U.S.? I think all clinicians are really hopeful on this. We'd love to see advancement in parental products. Um, there's been minimal advances in nutritional parental products in, in the past 20 years. Um, and so many clinicians would love to see the United States FDA bring in um, more products because the European market has many more progressive products that could be used here. It's just we don't have the clinical trials to support them and we don't have the FDA approval. So I think we're all hopeful, but I'm not sure what the timeline would be for that. Are there any other points or suggestions that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Um, not at this time. Well, Dr. Tillman, I certainly thank you for sharing your expertise with our listeners. I invite all of our readers to find out more about this topic and Dr. Tillman's article entitled, Review and Clinical Update on Parenteral Nutrition-Associated Liver Disease, which is found in the February 2000 issue of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. Thank you for joining us today.